The following audio is from City Rev Church. For more information about City Rev Church, visit us online at cityrev.org. You can join us live Saturday nights at 6 p.m., Sunday mornings at 9, 10.30, or 12, or you can join us online at cityrev.org. Hey, thank you for joining us this weekend here at City Rev. This is going to look a little bit different today. We're going to handle things a little bit different, just in response to all the things happening in our community right now. And so this is really more of a family meeting, a City Rev family meeting today. And if you are our guest, we want to welcome you to listen in, but just know that this is something this week uniquely, this weekend is, is kind of a grouping together as a family to, to get on the same page and discuss some of the things that has been happening in our community. And we are a, a church that is a multicultural church. We have a diversity of all different kinds of backgrounds. And so starting this week, we are going to be starting some very honest discussions in response to what could be described as the convulsing of our city and our community and our nation over issues of race and justice. And so next week, we are going to be showing a film that we're going to be discussing as a church. It's a project that we have been working on, and it's going to begin some very honest discussions and really begin a collective listening to each other that we're going to begin doing as a church. And so I just want to take a quick minute now and show you a sneak peek of what that film is going to look like next week. So check out this clip. I'm not a person that cries very easily. Um, but that particular video um, really brought me to tears. It was just that visceral. Um, and it wasn't anger that I, it was just the pain of it. One of my really good friends, very close friend of mine, we served in ministry together. And, uh, but he grew up in Houston, Texas with George, grew up playing football with George. Uh, I saw one of the last text messages that he sent one of my friends. George Floyd, walk me through that as a police officer. How, how are you processing that? It's heavy. Roby. You know, Roby, you and I have been friends for a long time, so. Does that mean I should brace for impact? Like, what should I, do I need to, what's about to happen? You know, we're both ministers of the gospel. Yeah. You know, the biggest difference between you and me, Daryl, is that I've rest this entire time with my arms on this table. Uh -huh. But when you put your arms on the table, the table tilts entirely in your direction <laughs> because the biggest difference is I've got these scrawny little arms and you've got, I, I feel it. You, you got, I mean, I'm like, my, you, when you put your arms on the table, you, this table almost like, breaks. That's the biggest difference between you and me. Really if you had one message for your Christian brothers and sisters who are black, one message for those brothers and sisters who are white, and one message for those brothers and sisters who are in law enforcement. Okay. Um, so all of these are brothers and sisters in Christ. So I have one message, not three. 
a lot of times the call for justice is not a call for favoritism. It's not a call for partiality. It's not a call necessarily to forgive criminals for their crimes. It's not that. It's 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 a call to say let's 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 execute the justice system justly. Like I get a, an anxiety when I see flickering lights, just red and blue lights, and and it's just like I don't want like it's a. For some reason, it's you, you think, oh, why am I scared of lights? And I could tell that it was an uncomfortable conversation for the officer. But I remember saying to the officer, can I tell you something? You know, one of my, one of my really close friends, his daughter's graduating this year, and, and she came home and just hugged him and embraced him. But it's like, she's like, Daddy, I see everything they're, they're writing about you guys. You know, all my friends and stuff. And it's terrible, man, because, you know, she, she knows her father, you know. Talk. Let, let, let's, let's talk, let's heal. What is it gonna take to have a, a society that reflects the justice and righteousness called for in scripture? It's going to take the conversation that no one wants to have. And it has to start at City Rep. So I'm looking forward to those discussions and to share some of those dialogues that have been happening with um, pastors in our community and also families right here in our church. So excited to share those with you next week. And so here's the purpose of this weekend. We are going to start this weekend preparing all week as a church for the, the conversation next weekend and for those dialogues next weekend. And so I want to just give us as a church that comes from all different backgrounds some marching orders. And I, I just want to speak to you with some real honesty this weekend because um, to be transparent, we as a church are many of us and many in our church have very different perspectives on what's happening right now. And we are pursuing the miracle as a church where there is uncommon unity among brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. I want to start today with what I think is one of the scariest verses in the Bible, one of the scariest verses in the Bible. I've got several scriptures that I'm going to share with you today. And this is from Hebrews chapter 13. And this is speaking for the context within a church. This is how it's supposed to operate within a church. This is what it says. Hebrews 13 verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will get, have to give an account. What's scary about that is what this says is that the leaders within a church, that means the pastors and ministers within a church, will stand before God 
and are, are keeping watch over the souls of those who are part of the church and will give an account to God for those souls. And I want to let you know that terrifies me because I know how much Jesus loves your soul. And as one of your pastors, I will give an account for how I have shepherd, shepherded and kept watch over your soul. I wanted to start with that because, to be frank with you, today, as one of your pastors, as one of your shepherds, I'm going to speak to you a little bit differently. I'm going to speak directly to various groups within our church. You will hear some empathy and compassion, and there will also be, for some, for some of us, a rebuke. And my prayer is that we will have ears to hear that. And my prayer is that we can walk together in unity as a church. What I can promise you, what I can commit to you, is that my agenda is to be able to answer to your chief shepherd, to your savior, to Jesus Christ, with a clear conscience. I and we as your spiritual leaders do not have the luxury of people-pleasing. We only have the responsibility to transmit the words from Scripture from our chief shepherd to you who are his sheep, to us who are his sheep. And so uh, with that said, I want to just prepare you that this is going to look differently today. And with that said, I want to share with you the main text that will be kind of our anchor point for today. It's found in John 13, starting in verse 34. John 13, starting in verse 34. I just want to read you these two verses. Here's what it says. This is from the words of Jesus. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another... Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So in this text, Jesus gives a, a familiar command. He tells us to love one another. And he says, the way we love is we love one another the way he has loved us. And what we know of our Savior Jesus is he loved us with a self-sacrificing love. He gave himself up for us. That's how we're supposed to love each other. But he says more specifically, what he says to us is he says that that is a marker that we are a follower of Jesus. That means that we, the way we love demonstrates to the world that we are a Christ follower, that we bear the name of the Savior of the universe, Jesus Christ. More specifically in this text, there are many texts and many parts of the Bible that call us to love the world, but this particular scripture is saying that we love one another. It's talking about us loving each other as brothers and sisters in Christ within the church. That we, are, we, we have a heavenly father that makes us brothers and sisters. And that the way we love each other should cue the watching world that we are followers of Christ. And so what do we mean? I mean, because a lot of times we can say, oh yeah, I mean, I, 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 I love, I'm a person of love. In fact, Jesus got that same 
a kind of rationale and rationalization. He said one time to a group of people, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, you know what the command, love God and love your neighbor and the response. And it was to justify themselves saying, yeah, I mean, I love, I mean, it was a justification. He says, yeah, but who's our neighbor? Who, who is that person that I'm supposed to love? And Jesus was very clear. He said, okay, let me tell you a story. You're walking along the road and you see someone hurting and broken on the side of the road. Two men walk past. In fact, both of those two men in the story he tells are religious leaders. They walk past, but one who would have been an enemy of the person who was hurting stops and cares for his wounds, risks his life, cares for his wounds, and sees to it that the man is brought to full, complete healing at his own expense, asking nothing in return. Jesus is not mysterious. The Bible is not mysterious about what it means to love. What does it mean to love? If you see someone who is hurting, you stop and tend to their wounds. That's what it means to love. It's not mysterious what it means to love. Jesus demonstrated it. There was a leper who was sick and he was outcast from his society. No one could even touch him. And he walked close. He asked Jesus for healing and he reached out and he touched the leper. And that human touch was probably the first touch that that leper had had in maybe years. And Jesus was willing to risk being viewed as unclean, willing to risk to take the disease on himself. He reached out and touched the leper and brought healing to that man. Jesus is not mysterious about what it means to love. He told the parable, he says, if you have 100 sheep and one sheep goes astray, this is what the love of the heavenly father looks like. You go after the one lost sheep and bring it back to the fold. Jesus is not mysterious about what it means to love. The Bible doesn't leave it a mystery. It doesn't leave it vague. It's very explicit. It says, by this we know what love is, that Jesus laid down his life for his friends. And we also ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and our sisters. Christian, there is no mystery about what our marching orders are. No matter what the circumstances are, we love. We love this world, but more specifically for what we're talking about today. We love each other, our brothers and sisters, to the degree that it's self-sacrificing. We expend ourselves to demonstrate love. Today and this weekend, I am very burdened as not only someone who is a, a, a person in our community, a part of this church that loves the city, I'm very burdened for Christians and our church in this present moment. And so here's what I want to do, something a little bit different. I want to take this text, this truth of our command to love as a marker of a follower of Christ. And, I, and, and even though we are a church of many, many different backgrounds, Many different shapes and sizes. We have all different types of life experiences. I want to take this text and I want to apply it to three particular groups that are within our congregation. Three of us in this congregation. I want to speak to you this weekend. I want to speak to our black brothers and sisters. 
our blue brothers and sisters, those in law enforcement, and our white brothers and sisters. I want to take this text and specifically speak to each of those groups as your pastor and share a message about how this text applies in this present moment. I'd like to first start with my brothers and sisters in Christ that are part of the black community, my black brothers and sisters here in our church. And my heart is very burdened and heavy. And so I have a letter that I've written to you and I wrote this week to you. I want to share with you what the Lord has been doing in my heart this week. I typically don't read something like this, but I just, it was so important to me to express this right that I wanted to write this down. To my black brothers and sisters, typically I stand before our church on the weekend and introduce myself as, I'm Roby, I'm one of the pastors here. I do that because I always want to keep before you that you have many pastors and ministers who lead you spiritually. And to make sure our eyes always stay on Jesus, the chief shepherd and head of the body. But today I need to address you as your lead pastor. Because I need to repent to you. You have been hurting. You have been crying out that you are experiencing injustice. And I have not led us as a church to be a place that stops and listens well to our brothers and sisters that we love. We've talked about justice. We've talked about city transformation. But I have not led us to be a church where you can be safely heard and can be met with empathy. Furthermore, I have not led us to a place of overt advocacy. To be a people that are change agents that stand against racial injustice. What I can tell you is that through the last few weeks in particular, Jesus has broken me over this. Over the years, God has taken me from being an active listener of those with different life experiences than my own, and he's taken me to be an empathizer. But he has shown me that I have stopped short of fulfilling my calling as a voice and a leader in the fight against injustice in our city. He has brought me to the painful realization that silence about injustice is something only the privileged can do. And Jesus taught us to spend our privileges and ourselves on the hurting and oppressed. I felt the conviction to confess that to you as your lead pastor. My commitment to you is to see to it that things are different in City Rev going forward. The first order of business is to create a culture in our church that fosters healthy, loving dialogue. More than that, 
We intend to be active in advocating for justice. Already this week, we have joined and led conversations among churches of South Florida on strategies to address the racial inequality in our city. I'm humbled by the patience you have shown toward your church and me as your lead pastor. Thank you for your grace. The last few weeks, the Lord has been really challenging me to hear what his heart for justice is. And he has been taking me through the book of Amos chapter 5. And I want to read you this verse that has been closely tied to my heart. And he is over and over this week. He has convicted me of. It's Amos 5, verse 23. This is God speaking. Take away from me the noise of your songs to the melody of your harps. I will not listen, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And what this has convicted me of as a pastor is that the heart of Jesus is for justice. And the fundamental thing that we do is expend ourselves for the lost in our community that they might hear the gospel. But also, just like Jesus shared the good news, but he also was a healing healing agent for the broken and needy and oppressed. He was an agent for justice. I've been convicted that we are called to stand for justice. And so to demonstrate that this weekend... In light of this passage, what this is saying, God is saying, I don't want to hear your pretty songs if you're not going to stand for justice. Worship is a wonderful thing. We love worship. We have a vibrant worship ministry here at our church. But in response to this text, in repentance and confession to the Lord, this weekend we are going to be fasting our worship music. This weekend, we are not going to practice a discipline that we hold so dear of singing and worship to God. We are going to fast that for this weekend because we're going to remind ourselves of how close justice is to the heart of God, something that he has broken me over that I have not demonstrated more robustly in my calling as your pastor. I wanted to confess that to you And I wanted to share with you that we as a church are committed to hearing and listening, standing by your side. And as a multicultural church, you are our brothers and sisters. And so if it is a black issue, it is our issue too. Because we love you. And we are in the same family in unity around Jesus Christ. What I want to challenge you and shepherd you in with this text, where he says we're marked by how we love our brothers and sisters. What does love look like? I would humbly share with you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 for this present moment. Hear the words of your chief shepherd that I pass on to you. He said this, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
I know that I could never appreciate the deep anguish that you are experiencing in this season. As you have tried to vocalize the persecution and oppression that you have experienced. And what I would humbly ask you is to follow in the footsteps in this moment and pray and show love to those who you feel are your enemies. Know that we love you, we stand by your side, and we want to walk through this together and stand for injustice wherever it is found for our brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to also speak to my blue brothers and sisters, to those families that have law enforcement officers in your, in your family. What I want you to hear today, first and foremost, is that we stand by your side too, and we love you. And while in this moment, we are taking a posture of hearing and listening to the hurt of our brothers and sisters of color. We are not going to allow the world to polarize us against each other. Because in this, in this context of the church, of the family of Christ, of the body of believers, there is a miracle that happens. That groups that are polarized in the world, groups that are enemies in the world, sit down in unity together around the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself, his own 12 disciples, he had disciples that in the world's context could not be farther apart. He had Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot, but they sat down at the same table together as brothers on mission together around the person of Jesus Christ. Because before anything else, we are followers of Christ and we have that in common. We have the blood of Jesus in common. And so as we take a posture of listening and advocacy for our brothers and sisters in Christ, we also will at the same time honor the fact that so many of you became law enforcement officers because you wanted nothing more than to show the Christ-like sacrifice, self-sacrifice to your community. And we are going to at the same time honor that so many of you have life experiences that we cannot fully appreciate. You kiss your families goodbye, not knowing if that's the last time you're going to see them. And we honor that sacrifice. And we want you to know that we love you and we stand with you. You are also called to show love in this season as a marker of a Christian. And so how does this text that you will be known in the love of Christ will be demonstrated through your love in this season? I want to offer you this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says this. This is for my blue brothers and sisters. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. And hear this. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. I know so many of you that I know personally 
while there is something broken here that needs to be fixed, it's part of a much larger system and a much larger historical narrative that those of you as individuals that we know personally, we know your heart, that you have a heart of love. And in this season, for many who are extending love, it's being received and the response is with hate. Please don't give up. Please don't let your heart get hardened. Please continue forward. Don't let your love fail. Please continue persevering in love. And please continue being an agent for justice, not only in your city, but among your own ranks. Be an agent for justice. To my blue brothers and sisters and their family members, we love you. I want to speak to my white brothers and sisters We need to receive together as a white Christian community more firm words in this moment. I was recently going through the book of Job and in my personal quiet time studying about Job and it's the story of a man who is walking through unimaginable agony. He has had his His sons and daughters taken away from him. They have been killed. He has been afflicted and broken. He is in anguish. And the Bible is clear that Job has done nothing wrong to receive this on himself. And his friends, he has some friends that come and they sit with him. And here's what his friends do. Most of the book is hearing his friends, they keep talking and talking. They, they just won't shut their mouth. They keep talking and talking and talking. And the entire time, they keep searching for something that Job has done wrong to bring this upon himself. And as much as Job says, it, it's, it's nothing that I did, it's nothing that I did, they keep searching through, well, maybe you did this. Well, it's probably this. Well, certainly you've done something to deserve this. And the reason they're doing that is because it will make them feel better, more justified, more comfortable if they can figure out what Job has done to deserve it. Because if Job is blameless in this, in the oppression, in the the difficulty he's experiencing, that puts them in a very uncomfortable position. And after God appears and deals with Job, he is very clear about what Job's friends have done. In all of their words, they have shown themselves to be fools. They should have just sat with their hurting friend and listened. Here's what it says in the book of James. The book of James says it like this. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. To my white brothers and sisters, so many of us have been sinful and unbiblical in our response in this moment. We have been quick to share our opinions about someone's life experience that we cannot possibly comprehend. We have been quick to speak, slow to listen. We have been quick to anger. Rather than slow to anger, 
We have been quick to find out, well, clearly this can't be injustice. There's got to be something that this individual or this group did to bring pain on themselves rather than modeling the position of love and seeing our hurting brother and sister by the side of the road and stopping to listen and to expend ourselves to care for them. Church, let me be more direct. Some of the the words and the posts on social media right now from white brothers and sisters, from us as white Christians, are a humiliation. It is a disgrace that we carry the name of Jesus and have had such ignorant, arrogant, and unloving words on social media. Stop it. I want to pose a difficult question. Why are you so sure that you are reading the situation right? Is it because of what you've heard on social media? Is it because of what you've heard on YouTube videos? Is it because of what you've heard from news outlets? We need to stop and slow down and listen. The best thing we could do if we can't offer words of empathy or words of advocacy, then the best thing we can do is seek to understand. And so I want to challenge you to call a trusted friend, a person of color, one of our African-American brothers and sisters that you trust, call a friend and humbly ask about their life experiences. Then maybe you will be in a slightly better place to judge whether you're viewing this situation rightly. And if you do not have a trusted friend of color, a black American, an African American friend that you trust, that you can speak to on this, then you already have your answer. We have to, we have to slow down and we have to listen to the hurting brothers and sisters in Christ that we will spend eternity with in heaven, we have to slow down and take the only wise posture in this moment and listen. Here's what does love look like in a season like this. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels... But have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If we're speaking and it's not covered and drenched in love, then it is just noise. And there's far too much noise out there rather than listening from white Christians in this present moment. Please, let's slow down and listen. Here is your homework to my white brothers and sisters here at our church. Your homework this week in preparation for the conversations that are coming next week is to go online and download Letter from Birmingham Jail by Martin Luther King. Please read that this week. That is a 57-year-old letter that we're still not yet completely applying in our modern experience here in the city. Please read or reread that letter because we have a responsibility to our brothers and sisters in Christ and it's a responsibility to care for them and walk alongside them and listen. I wanted to deliver that message to our black brothers and sisters, blue brothers and sisters, and white brothers and sisters, but now it's one final message of love for all of us and for some, this is just going to be a rebuke. 
what it says in the scripture, what Paul told Timothy, a young pastor, he said, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season to correct and reprove and rebuke. Part of my role as your pastor is to deliver a rebuke. And there may be some that say, you know what? I don't want that from a pastor. And if that's your position, then I I understand that this may be hard and may be painful, but I answer to the chief shepherd and I need to deliver this faithfully to you. This is the scripture. Psalm chapter one. It says this, Psalm one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the scripture, in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not, wim- does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Right now, church, so many Christians are falling into the trap of not planting themselves to be strong, thriving, sturdy, stable believers in Jesus Christ. They're not planting themselves by the Bible, by the scriptures, by streams of water and drinking in the nourishment of pure truth from the scripture. But instead, they're walking in the counsel of the wicked, standing in the way of sinners and sitting in the seat of scoffers. They've planted themselves by other sources of truth rather than the scripture. For example, what is shaping how you view this present moment? Is it the Bible? Is the Bible shaping your worldview right now? Is the Bible shaping how you're viewing this? Or is, are, you, are, are you walking in the counsel of the wicked? Is it social media that's shaping how you view this moment? For too many Christians out there, the way they're thinking about this is just this walking past one social media post after the next, one video, one, one tag after the next. So just that is what is shaping their mind. And so their minds are shaped like the world and not like Jesus. Some of us need to turn off social media and plant ourselves next to the word. Please let the Bible be shaping your thinking on this issue and not social media. Some of us are standing in the way of sinners. We stop and we stand to listen to other influences that are polluting our minds rather than drinking deeply of the nourishment of the scripture into our lives to let it shape us and strengthen us and lead us to thrive. And so instead, it's, it's YouTube. It's one video after the next, after the next, after the next. And you keep, maybe you keep searching after video after video that just proves your own point. You are just in an echo chamber looking for another voice and another voice and another voice to just prove your own point rather than stopping and having healthy, godly Christian dialogue with a brother or sister that may have a life experience different from your own or see things differently than you see things. Please unplug from all of these videos, one after another, after another, after another, get out of that echo chamber that you're just trying to confirm your own bias and unplug from that and let the living God speak to you from the scripture. Please, let your mind be transformed by the word of God. Drink deeply of the scripture. Be limited on other influences. 
I, I know that you know this, but any child with an iPhone can post a YouTube video. Is that what you're letting shape your mind? Think Christian. Some of you are sitting in the seat with scoffers rather than being planted by the streams of living water that is the scripture. And that seat of scoffers is the news media. And you're sitting there with the news on. And you're just letting these personalities, letting these perspectives, day after day after day, hour after hour, radio broadcast after radio broadcast, podcast after podcast, you're letting it shape your mind. And your mind is shaped more like Fox News. Or your mind is shaped more like CNN than it is the scripture, let the scripture shape your mind. They're, the news and the scripture are not the same thing. Please turn off the news and read your Bible. Let the Bible shape your thinking on this. Church, I'm so burdened for Christians who are operating in this moment, not like their Savior who purchased them with his blood on the cross but they're operating like the world because the world is the one shaping their mind. Please, Christian, stop it. Stop posting on social media. Stop devouring YouTube videos. Stop listening to the news over and over and over and over. And please, let the Holy Spirit shape your mind by listening to the scripture and reading the scripture. Here's the application I want to give you in preparation for this week. I want to challenge you my brothers and sisters in Christ, church, in this moment, in preparation for next weekend, as we are going to take a posture of listening and understanding so that we can be advocates for justice, I want to challenge you every single day this week to go to Amos chapter 5, and I want you to read it once a day, every day this week. And many Many of you need to turn off the news, stop watching the YouTube videos, and please stop watching social media right now. Get in the word and hear from the living God who's alive inside of you. What more do you need right now? Let God shape your minds and let God do the miracle here in our church where he pulls all of us together from our diverse backgrounds. He pulls all of us together with diverse life experiences and we model the love and humility of Jesus Christ where we sit down together and we show such uncommon love, such uncommon miraculous unity that the world looks at what's happening inside our church and say, they have something different they have some, they, they must be Christians. They must be followers of the Savior of the universe, Jesus Christ. Church, I hope you are as burdened for this present moment that we are facing in our city. This is a, a, this is a dire moment in our city. And this is a watershed moment for us as a church. If we're going to be revealing Jesus to revolutionize our city... It starts with humility and love towards each other. My prayer is that we have ears to hear this week, that we slow down, humble ourselves, and have lives marked by love this week. My prayer is that you take seriously preparing your soul for the transformational work that we are going to do together next week. My prayer is that you start tilling the hard soil of your heart if there's hardness in your heart to hear perspectives next week that are different 
from yours. Perspectives next week that are different from the people that you have been listening to of saying that you will stop and listen and hear your brothers and sisters in Christ so we can walk forward in the name of Jesus. That we can walk forward in a way worthy of the name we carry as a Christian. I'm going to close this time. We're going to close our service with this prayer. We're not going to have a time of worship at the end. We're fasting that this week as we stop and lean in to what justice looks like in our city. I want to um, close with this prayer. A prayer for us as a church that we would draw closer to the heart of God together. Let's pray together. Jesus, you were in the most privileged position imaginable. You were in heaven, on the throne, angels praising your name. And you came down to us, the lost and the broken and the hurting. And you became the single most oppressed individual in the history of the universe. You took all of our guilt. You took all of our shame. Even though you were innocent, you took all of the wrath of God and the payment for sin upon yourself. You took all of that because you loved us. Such tremendous self-sacrifice we can't possibly imagine. And you looked at us, your followers, and you said, take up your cross and follow me. May we have the courage for self-sacrifice, to love and care for those who are hurting. May we give love and sacrifice where there is oppression and injustice. May we rise to act and be a voice Give us the wisdom on how to do that, Jesus. And I pray in the name of Jesus, you would do the miracle of unity here at City Rev. Do something so powerful. Transform hearts. Hearts that are bittered from hurt, pain, injustice, and abuse. Hearts that are hardened towards the hurt and injustice. Would you soften all of our hearts? that we would draw close to each other in a way that's only explainable by a miracle of Almighty God. We ask that you would do that miracle that you prayed for on the night that you were betrayed. John 17, moments before you were arrested and expended yourself for humanity. You looked up to heaven and you pleaded with God something so close to your heart. You said, would God, that they might be one as you and I are one, God the Father. You said that, Jesus. You want us to be one. Now do that miracle because we're all one body filled with the same spirit, saved the same way through the name of Jesus. Would you make that miracle of unity happen here at City Rev? Convict us of our sin and bring us to repentance. Bring us to love. Bring us to action. Do that work in our midst, we pray. And we lift all this up in the powerful name of Jesus.
Amen. City Rev, I love you. I'm praying for you. And I'm excited as we walk forward in this season together. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to check out other teaching series, please visit our website at cityrev.org. If you would like to speak to somebody about beginning a relationship with Jesus or ask any questions you have about this teaching, you can email us at podcast at cityrev.org.